Okay, let's go back to Perik Tezvav. We'll go back to Pasuk We were discussing what went wrong with Azayo, otherwise known to us, more famously known to us as Uziah Melech. I'll remind you, as the Pasuk will, for the next few Pokim, that he goes down in history as a good king. He calls him uh, Melech that was uh, doing Yasha Ben Hashem. For the most part, he did. This is an absolute disaster. This wasn't a side thing. However, his tshuva is such, most people who do tshuva don't go to live in a base forest. As a matter of fact, I would suggest that they probably can't handle it and they shouldn't even attempt to do so because you need to be in a very high madrega to sustain such a tshuva. And he did it. And not only did he do it initially, uh, we don't have any raya that he ever moved out because his son Yesim was running things in the palace. If you remember last week, we saw the Pelvic Gemara and Sukkah that Hashem Be'echai claimed that he and his son Rabbi Lezer and Yesim, the three of them, could hold up the world in terms of getting a kapara for this chusim, mishesh zmei b'resh, b'reshes at b'yaz gold tzedek. And whatever that means, why those three, the famous Maisa when the Chavaz uh, Chaim was brought as a character uh, witness to somebody on trial near Rodden. So the prosecution got up. Afterwards, you know, they introduced him as the Holy Chafetz Chaim, who was the righteous person of the generation, and the uh, defense attorney did a good job. And then the uh, prosecution got up and said, Your Honor, you believe all those things? What all about his miracles and all about his good deeds. So he said, maybe, yeah, maybe not, but they don't say that about you and me. So that's important over here. Whether or not, that's an important mindset. Whether or not um, we know, we have a clue of why, of all the tzaddikim in history, the three that made it is Rabbi Shimon, Barachai, Velazar, Rabbi Shimon, and Yesim, is uh, not something we're going to go into now and not later because it's complete Kabbalah. But Lamaisa, he made it onto the list. And Rashi says, Rashi highlights his Anivas. He never took any credit for anything he did or anything he signed. Every Xerah, every Takana was in his father's name. And he did that and through that did tremendous Kibbut of Aim, which is always good to put in this time of year in the shul uh, for our night seder so good that he's uh, pointing. Rashi says both. Rashi says he made it onto the list because of his Kibbut of Aim and his Anivis, the mixture of those two. Hello, Devrahu. Uh, remind me uh, tomorrow night probably I will uh, tell you over a fascinating myself from the Chaznish. Uh, but I'll get to the uh, Kibrav aim and the spending money per our prime grill steaks from last week. So uh, I just uh, remind me, I don't have it yet uh, written down on cue. Pasuk Hey, V'yanaga Hashem esamel v'yimetzer adya meisa v'yeshev v'beis ha'chavshis v'yesem ben ha'melech al habayis. Again, ben ha'melech al habayis. He was running things, but he was still ben ha'melech and he didn't take the position. Shefet es amaretz. Vav, Paraktes Vav, Pasik Vav. Yeser, Divri, Azayah, Vachosha, Asa, Lahim, Exum, Al, Sefer, Divri, Yam, Lamach, Yehuda. And he didn't do anything else that was noteworthy for Malachim the rest of the reign. We have yet to get back to how he got into this mess, why he did this. We're going to explain that today. Let's just read one more Pasik. Vishkav, Azayah, Mavaisav, Ikba, Sam, Avaisav, Beir, David. And then Yesim actually becomes the king. We're not going to hear too much about Yesim as king 
We have every indication, of course, that he remained the tzaddik that he was and continued to do an excellent job. Let me read to you a few different excerpts from various chazals to try to give us an understanding of how this can happen to Uziel Amelech, how this mistake can be made, what he was thinking. I never like over-explaining these things because if you do, then you come out wondering, this is amazing, what did he do wrong? So it's got to be a balance between what was the Havamina and then why was the Havamina so wrong and where did he go wrong? So there are a number of Medrashim and uh, various Ramazim and Chazal that he became very attached to the earth and to farming. In today's Lashinus, he became green. This is something we can really identify with. Became very green. Probably passed all sorts of laws on recycling. I'm not against them. You can picture the scene. He really got into Mother Earth, and he probably uh, started discussing global warming. I don't know what exactly was going on there, although probably then no one was that, uh, <laughs> that behind. But uh, I'm not saying it's true or it's not, but like uh, some other things that are quoted by liberals, you certainly have to be chabdeo uh, v'chadsheo, and you could probably even leave out the chabdeo, but uh, certainly the chadsheo. And why are these people doing this? Because they feel, and they feel very righteous about this. I don't want to compare, it's almost unfair, that Tzadik Uziel HaMelech, one of the Malchites is David, I don't really want to put them in the same paragraph as uh, liberals, but Lasabras Eisen, we're going to make some comparisons of the danger of getting too much into land, Mother Earth, agriculture. On the surface, it's just as pristine and holy as saving whales, which is also a good cause after you get through the first 160 things in your list, or maybe 1,160 things in your list. Everything sounds good. Lamaisa, if you get into any project that involves Gashmias, even bearing in mind that the Torah cares about zoning laws, it's took him. Ari Levim have zoning laws. We were the first ones to invent them. We didn't invent them. Hashem put them in the Torah. We carried them out. Better way to say it. And you have a thousand namas and two thousand namas and all the sugis and makas. That's a green law. That's for environmental protections. You have fresh air and a place to plant and a place you can't even plant. These are zoning laws. So we had them first. And farming is a necessity. Machlekes, Rabbi Shem happens to be, and Rabbi Yishmael. Whether it's Bidyeved, Lachatchila, it's for most people, not for most people, Shevet Levi, not Shevet Levi. So most people were farmers. Fine. You do it for three hours a day and learn nine hours a day. The Rambam says you have now become a very Ehrlich Abalabas. Only nine hours a day of learning, three hours a day of working. Givaldic. Um, that's for some other shoes. Uh, what happened over there? Uh, part of the problem is our set costs, including the cell phone, the car, the car insurance, and the real estate tax, and the lawn care, is already above what you make in three hours. That's part of the problem. But a different schmooze. So agriculture, what can be bad? Melok doesn't need a panasa, and he got very into it. And uh, we can assume, with Don Lekaz here we're not talking about a bleeding heart liberal, we're talking about a Melok Tzadik. We can assume that he was into it because it was Avas Heretz Yisrael. This happened, by the way, in this past century. People went off with this same ideal also. Avas Heretz Yisrael is wonderful. Um, they got off the plane, they kissed the ground. Gavaldik. 
And then you have to know, are we in Eretz Yisrael for Kedusha Eretz Yisrael and everything it has to offer, and also taking care of the land, or becoming too attached to the land as a physical object and forgetting about the role that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, gave us in Kedusha Eretz Yisrael. And it could be a very, very fine, thin line in between, and then it can get out of hand. And uh, he did a great job as king, he conquered the land, he secured the land, and loved the land, so far so good, then he loved the land too much and got into the actual farming as king. If you remember the Rambam, nothing against uh, being a farmer or a barber, or these are wonderful vocations. Work with your hands, make an honest day's living, nothing wrong. If the Melech himself does it for one minute or one day, he's puzzled to be king. The side problem. So to have the Melech, what? I don't know, but it sounds like, I'll read to you some of this, it sounds like he really got into it. I don't know if we have any pictures with him holding the spade and the shovel, but it sounds like he got into it. Now, there was another great tzaddik in history who also fell into the same trap, for the same reason, by the way. And the backdrop was the same. Cultivating the land, loving the land, rebuilding the land. In this case, it was Mother Earth, it wasn't even Israel. His name was Nayach. You've heard of him. And he planted a... The vine, you think the wine can be used for Brepia uh, Gaffin by Kiddush? We make a Brepia Gaffin by Chasana. We're going to do it by uh, this Wednesday. Do all sorts of wonderful things with wine. If that's the first thing you plant, it's almost a sign of uh, depression, which is uh, what it was, by the way. And we wouldn't have done any better. You take the top off of your teva after you float around for a year and come out, and the whole earth is obliterated, it's pretty depressing. So, uh, certainly understandable, but it calls him Reich Ish Adama. He was actually planting it. Ish Adama is not a compliment. Even though you can be an Erlacha farmer, and you can be involved in land and zoning laws and do it right. It's, in life, not a question of doing something right. It's a question of doing something right and in the correct balance. And that's what's important over here. Uh, the, uh, I once saw a line, I probably used it over here. Uh, Mr. Jarosho Shlita, you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, he, has a, he, has a, he has a chapter there on uh, what the issue is. I'll say this on the video, but he has a chapter on understanding um, religious Zionism. So, uh, this is on Dama Lahashi. This is not to an Abikaris, to a person who just wants to know why, why do we hold of it? See, he said, Would it strike you odd if you bumped into somebody who was Orthodox and he introduced himself as a religious Tefillinist? Use that Lahashi. thought that was an amazing muscle. What's wrong? I'm a, I'm a religious Tefillinist. Am I? I'm religious and I put on Tefillin. What's the problem? So, Biel Schwartz, who, anybody know, you know, you know Biel Schwartz? He has many, many farm on, on Eretz Yisrael and uh, a very uh, interesting writer and not a, not a super kana either. He's just trying to explain the, uh, the facts. He said, if you take any concept, any concept, even Eretz Yisrael, there's only one concept you can't do this wrong with, I'll get to that in a minute, and you blow it out of proportion and it becomes a religion unto itself almost, then you're going to have an issue. So there's nothing wrong with putting on tefillin. Adarabah, we advise everybody does it every day. Used to do it all day. But if your whole focus in life, you become a religious tefillinist, then there's going to be an issue. There's only one mitzvah you can't overdo. Only because Chazal tell us. It's called Tamatera, because there's only one mitzvah where it says Tamatera connected kulam. It doesn't say Eretz connected kulam. It says wonderful things about Eretz Yisrael. It doesn't say it's connected kulam. It almost says that. It's a, run, it's a runner-up. Yes? Yeah, yeah, so you have to know what those Gemaras mean. So uh, without having to consult with the Divrei Yom, the Satmarov, it's a very good place to look. 
Uh, you don't have to be a member of Satmar to consult with that. I'm not. He has very, very good and interesting explanations. But even if you don't have access to those farm, there are other ways to learn the Gemara. There's no Mishnah that says that any other mitzvah is connected to Kulam. And by the way, even in Tamatera, if an old man needs help across the street and you're learning and there's nobody there, you have to shut your Gemara and go. Even that's not uh, without exception. But that was his interesting, uh, interesting marshal. I quote him, Dafka, because no one can have a time. I'm sure people have time is on the line. But he's like in between all the camps, and that's why he was writing it, if you know who he is. Uh, so, yeah. Then we have the Rabbana, the Rambam, who says that like, you're, doing a, you're not doing a mitzvah next to It's like practice. It's not, so the only way to be really the mitzvah yeah, the Ramban, is... The Ramban is, um, is also not by you. Misquoted and overquoted. And uh, if you put on Tillin here in Chutzlarts, uh, your Mekayim Mitzvah Dereza. No doubt about it. Even Ramban held with that. Shaila is what he meant by that line. Definitely. No doubt about it. I, if we could move the whole shul there, it would be much better if we were all there. In, this, in a secluded area, we wouldn't have any shibudim to any of the gzeris. We'd be able to do, it, do what we want and put our children in the correct environment and have panas a big valde. But that's not possible for everybody, and that's why we're still sitting here su- suffering in chutzlords. Um, what I'm saying is that to say that, like, you know, just like we don't say, uh, are you a Tfilinist, there's a difference between, we already see in the Rishon, there's a difference between commitment to Tfilin over all of the other mitzvahs versus Eretz Yisrael, which is. But it's not, it's not Talmudary connected. Yeah, the Ramban made it, that's the good news. He spent most of his years in Chuslars and didn't even attempt to go before him, even the Ramban. Chavaz Chaim, in his. In his uh, Last years, everybody came to visit him. He would beg him as they're walking out the door. He would grab on, please take me to Israel. So you, you know my position. We've had many shirim on that. That's not the, the danger over here. He lived in Israel and he, and he built up Israel. No doubt he got tremendous schar. I'm trying to explain how somebody can... The king, he's a very self-respecting man. He had to have a lot of backbone. How did he overdo it in getting into the land? So I, I'm trying to give you a positive havamina... I can blame it on part on his uh, love of Eretz Yisrael, which he uh, took too far in this case. And unfortunately, when somebody gets misguided, it became an issue of his gaiva, and that's certainly going to be bailed over here when he charges into the Azara as a non kayan And we know he's a non kayan because he's very slightly directly descended from David Amalekh. And he knew that, and there was no hallucinations over here, and he's going to demand to bring Kateris. Like, how do you get, even if you're too into the land, and you're saving the land and saving a tree and hugging a tree, and even if you're doing all that, and I, I hate to compare him to the real shenanigans that go on today, but Chazal do depict that he was much too far into it, whatever form that took. How do you get from that to, okay, why don't I bring the Kateris? Like, what's the, what's the shaykhis over here? So, we'll continue I'll read to you just a few lines from a few different Chazals. The Sifri brings down, Devarim Kavachimer. You'll see what the context is in a minute. Sifri and Baalesha. Uzio Amela Shalonaskavan Lito La Gadula, Vlobishvil Kvaidatsma, Ila Bishvil Kainai. Again, we're painting him for a Havamina in a very positive light. He was Lashem Shamayim. Why did he walk into the Azara asking for permission to enter? Well, he didn't really ask permission. He sort of said he was going to enter. And why did he almost enter until he got Saras? So he thought he was doing a mitzvah rabbah, as were in Nadav Avihu, as were the 250 members of Sanhedrin are holding their frying pans, hoping somebody's going to be and get in. 
and he didn't do it for his own personal, he thought he wasn't doing it for his own personal gedula. And I'll explain that in a moment, how he had a Havamina that was Bishvil Kvod Kainai, meaning Kosh Baruch Yet he was punished, Kachnena, she got Saras for the rest of his life. Somebody does it for their own covenant, whatever Avera they happen to be doing, whatever fight they happen to be starting. How much is he going to get punished? Which means that, of course, Baruch who knows is going in, we're going on inside our hearts, and he, Shem knows full well, and knew full well over here, that there was a part of Uzziah HaMelech that really felt this would be a Kiddush Hashem. Why? Again, we'll get to it in a few moments. And yet, he was punished horribly to the extent that he had Tzaraz for the rest of his life. That was his kapara. The good news is he took it as such. He got his kapara and for all practical purposes went to Olam Haba, not Gehenim, as the other good kings. What was he thinking? So there's an other story of Nosen. One of the main things that Tzaraz comes from is Gas HaRuach. Gas HaRuach means Gaivo. Shakain Matsinu Buzio Shanamar Ubichaskaso Gavo Liboy. Pasuk says Beferish, Gavo Liboy. He was a Malgaiva, came to Hori Adla Hashkis, and he almost destroyed the Aveda himself, many others. This is from Divrei Yamim. Here, interestingly enough, as I mentioned last week, Pusik makes a very short reference to the whole thing in Pusik Hay, which we just read. It doesn't tell you the long version. It leads that to Divrei Yam. This Pusik is a quote from Divrei Yamim. And the Pusik is a Beferish. It was his Gaiva. He walked in and Kainim formed a human chain and told him, Your Highness, you're not going anywhere. And then he got very angry at the Kainim and he had his armed guards with him and heads were about to roll, literally. And then there was a tumult, uh, not only in the fact that they were standing there ground and he was about to rush them. There was an earthquake at that moment. Obviously, uh, that was a message. The Avastam says, There was an earthquake on her. Split in half. And everybody's running for their life. And he was running out because he got saras. Interesting. They had an earthquake, and the kind of were running out because there's an earthquake, and the Pasuk of Nosson says he was running out because he got saras. Meaning, had a, why did Hashem need an earthquake and saras? Just make an earthquake and look at the message. The answer is, he was such a Balkaiva. He needed both things. And what personally moved him was the fact that he was a Metzerah. Was an earthquake? No. I got soldiers, I got teams, I got Tatsala units. No big deal. Kilo, that wouldn't have phased him as much. How can that be? And it says we have earthquakes today. Le'olein Rahman Islam, pretty, uh, pretty stormy ones. And uh, people get up and say, yeah, check what it was on the scale and what led to it and what the tsunami was doing and all the other physical, scientific explanations. And they go on and they rebuild. Chavaz Chaim says an earthquake, earthquake in Japan that was a major one in his time uh, means the message the Jews have to do tshuva. Might be a message the Chaim have to do tshuva also, but it's a message for us. Yes. Or you could turn around and say that it's because the Kohan were being punched because they're stopping me. Yeah, which is apparently what he would have started thinking or saying, and that's why he got Saras and the Kainim didn't, so he couldn't ignore that. So it's Mount Krishma. It's Mount Okay, yes. I'm not sure if we wrote this kind of justice, but it seems like the Elsie Rob Nelson is contradicting this. Why? It's Gaiva, and 
Right, so that's why, that's why you need both. That's why you have to put all, the three or four chazals we're going to focus on, because he starts off as a tzaddik, so you can't say that it was such a blatant mistake that if you'd ask him, Your Highness, what are you doing? He'd say, what am I doing? This is Gavaldi, this is going to be the kid of Shem of the century. It's only worthy, I, the king, should worship Hashem, and it's only me that get in, everybody else should stay away. He'll give you a whole long shir kloli. And then the other Nelson says, yeah, and all that came from Gaiva. He holds he's better than other Ravi who got punished doing this. Well, deep down, it is. We, we're trying, that's what I'm saying, it's always the balance between explaining his Havmina and not explaining too well that you say it's not an Aveir. And Hashem should have forgiven him. <laughs> Hashem didn't forgive him. Hashem, uh, he had a schus. Hashem didn't kill him. He just had a long kapara for many years. Doesn't mean other Aviyah weren't as great. That was the Kurvak Kaddish, the reason why they had to die on the spot uh, and, uh, from Aveir from before. But this was the, the good news was he accepted the Einish. A real Russia would um, ignore the whole thing. Yes, I saw one more hand. Yeah. It's interesting. The but the Avastar of Nelson says, and the Pasuk describes it very graphically, the earthquake hit the fault line, was, went through Harabayas, and the Azara split 12 mil by 12 mil. It was the Azara. As a matter of fact, they probably looked out the window and said, this is odd. I don't see any, uh, I don't see any earthquake in Harnof. Why is it Yushalayim? Why is nobody else moving? So they all understood that something's going on. The Kainim did the right thing. It's just that he wasn't getting the message. They, they told him to stop. He didn't stop. They formed the human chain. That's going to last as long as he has a bigger army. So that's when Akash Baruch Hu stepped in. This was in the Hecha. He was already inside. Yeah, yeah this was uh, very dangerous. Uh, he stepped, he ran out like everybody else did. Um, yeah, they were built. They were fixed up. Yeah, I mean, is still going to stand yet for many years. At least one year here in the, in the shul. We have another... Another season to go before we get to the Chorban. Yes? Understand that it's possible he's a, a Balgaiva, but for him to have a Havamina that he could be Makar Kairos is... Yeah, so we didn't finish explaining, but the first Makar, that's why I read the first news, I always like starting off with good news. The good news is that there's going to be, in his twisted mind, there's going to be a Mahalach over here, and he has to explain to himself, people have the amazing, the smarter they are, the better they are fooling themselves. He has to explain, Chumash Inu, Sam Chumash Inu, not the he knew he wasn't, uh, he wasn't hallucinating, he knew he wasn't a kind. And he's going to come up, we're going to see right now, some uh, brilliant uh, logic to explain why the mitzvah rabba for him to do this. Uh, let's continue. Two more medrashim. It's the medrash rabba Ambracious. This ties in with Kayin and Noyach. Not an um, interesting, interesting list. Kayin, Noyach, and Uziel Amelach. Okay, well, Noyach goes down history as a huge tzaddik. Uziel goes down history as a good king. And Cain, um, the good news is he came back as a Gilgal various times. With, and good people. <laughs> Always like uh, giving some positive uh, input. So the Gemara says, the Imetra says, Shlesha Hayu Loyotin Achar Adama. It spells it out. Three people were two into the land with very good excuses. Cain was Machadish. Keep in mind, he was the Baal Machadish or the concept of a carbon. Can't get better than that. Matter of fact, he thought of it before Hevel. Unbelievable. The concept of communicating 
with a Baruch Hu, a form of tefillah, bringing a karban, bringing something from your hard work. That's an amazing concept. We're used to it by now. He was the uh, father of Kabbalah. The only problem is that uh, he, the carbon he brought was from some radishes that didn't make it onto the shelf or something like that. And as we know from the Pasuk, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, showed Kaviyachal his displeasure with him being cheap. You bring carbonus, you don't bring the leftover potatoes. And uh, he didn't take the Musa very well, if you remember from the Pasuk. And because of that, he um, actually committed some pretty serious atrocities. Two, to name a couple of the first two, like murder and then denial of the murder. Like, how am I supposed to know what my brother is? That was, cover-up is always worse than the crime. I don't know which one was worse over here. That, that's a shtickle kvir. Uh, so the message over there says, as he was arguing with Hevel before he killed him, he said, let's let's die, and he was already way off. And this is all from Gaiva, because... A person doesn't accept Musa. Why doesn't accept Musa? He said, well, somebody's giving me Musa. I'm, I'm almost next to perfect. I'm God's handiwork, which, by the way, over here he was. Come on. Uh, second tier to other Mauritian. <laughs> so, yeah, you could become a pretty big Balgaiva if you're 33% of the world. He represented 33% of the votes. Okay, they had a sister, maybe 25% of the votes. <laughs> That's pretty, you know. You can get pretty self-centered. It happened. And he got into his farming, and that was mistake number one. He was so attached to his cucumbers, the second day in a row, we're talking about pickles. That was yesterday's misogynism. He's so into his, uh, his pickles and his uh, cucumbers and his radishes that he can't part with them. That's a sickness. So he's so attached to the land, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't bring the best. Why, why would he want to bring the best? He, there's no shortage of vegetables here, by the way. W- what was his problem? He's saying he was cheap. Well, why is somebody cheap? People are cheap, they're insecure, maybe they won't have enough money for my retirement. He owned 25% of the world. That's a lot of natural resources. What was his problem? So the problem is that he was so attached to the ground and he farmed and he worked and he toiled. It was so, he was so attached he couldn't give it up. There's nothing to do with worrying about your IRA or your SEP. That becomes, the ground becomes one with you and that's a problem with Gashmias in general. And it happened to Kain. Kain was a big person. Talked to Akash directly. Some of it was a one-way conversation, but he got an avua. He was a big person. So, Three people were too into their farming and to the physical realities of the world and they never really have a shnachas from it. Again, very interesting list spanning history. And um, it describes the activities of Uzio in various places as the person who was actually doing the farming. So David, you asked, was he actually holding the spade? I don't know. It sounds like he was. Sounds like he held the Mitzvah Rabbah. He's going to be the head of the JNF and he's going to stand there and show everybody how to do it. So, uh, I'm, about, I'm sure they get a schuss for planting trees in Israel. Right, you're wrong. The Shaili is, again, is that, a, uh, is that a separate religion and this is the be-all, end-all and you could do whatever you want, just plant trees or is the planting trees part of the successful uh, uh, development of Israel, which could be a big schuss if done with the proper hashkafas. Wonderful to give a shear like that because the responses we get, half the people will say, it will tell you who the, where he works, that I'm a flaming Zionist. The other will say that uh, who from Satmar asked me to give the shear. And it's none of the above. It's, uh, it's understanding the, uh, the balance. I remember the first time I went to visit somebody a kilometer over the Green Line years ago. We're driving and um, the person was uh, telling me we're just... Uh, 
you know, close your eyes for a minute. I just got to drive through some territory, and they're not super friendly. So we're driving. I said, where's the green line? He said, you don't know where the green line is? I said, I thought the green line was an expression, a political expression. It is, but it comes from somewhere. So he said, just wait a second, and I'll show you where it is. So we're driving. He said, okay, turn around. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time I ever saw this. Pelotic. All of a sudden we're driving. There's like Bear Mountains. Not as in Bear Mountain over here in Rocky County. Bear as in Bear. B-A-R-E. I turned around. It was a beautiful sight. The whole place is green. And the trees stopped on a dime. They planted everything in the JNF to, before 67. And there was a green line full of trees. And planted. that's exactly where the border was. And then you see what they got afterwards. I said, that's what they meant by the green line? You grow up and think, if you never saw it, it sounds like the expression. The green, why, why they, if you look into it for two seconds, you'll find this out. But I saw it. And you can see it also. You don't have to be very far. Curious safer is a kilometer over the green line. Not very far. But it's very obvious where the green line ended. Maybe since then, this story goes back uh, when I was a young child. Maybe uh, since then, they planted more trees. But it's Gvaldic. looked very pretty. And that is a chilek of developing a Yisrael. The question is, at what cost and at what focus? That's really what we're discussing over here. So he's here with Nayak, who wanted to rebuild the world, which is wonderful. But that's not necessarily the first thing you do. And just in defense of Nayak, it doesn't need my defense. Uh, he also brought a carbon, if you recall. So of the group, he's the biggest tzaddik. He brought a carbon also. He didn't just... But at the same time, Chazal are impressed, so to speak, and compliment Nayak for bringing the carbon. They criticize him for planting vines, of all things. He started off as a tzaddik adar, and he ends up, he was still a tzaddik, but he becomes an ishadam, and ishadam is not a good title, even though there's nothing wrong with farming for an honest day's living. And that could have been the same with Kayan, had he done it right, and uh, Uzio um, started with the right perspective, and then, again, his gaiva got him off track, and now we have the most preferred Shemukar for his gaiva, Medjustan Chuma, Parshas Nayach, that's pretty incriminating. That sounds like he was holding the shovel. That's where I get the idea. Hifker Atzma sounds like he became totally bottled on. He was a Mr. Green, hugger tree, and, uh, and then some. In his mind, you'd ask him at any given farming day, this is all for Yishevet Yisrael, which it accomplished, but... It wasn't necessary for him to be doing it necessarily and for him to be doing that much. And there was immediate collateral damage, which we're going to get to, and that is that besides the fact that you become too magushim if you're always involved in land or any gashmiistic endeavor, it also can become a tremendous waste of time. And here is the most important akuda. Even if you want to get into your farming and you want to conquer and you are successful in conquering, which is all things he did as king, and the king's job is to conquer and secure and develop the land. And that's a mitzvah rabba. You have to do it yourself. You have people in your cabinet. The king has an extra mitzvah of He has to, has to have two. One he has to carry around. He has an extra mitzvah of asmada. Everybody has a mitzvah of asmada. Tamatari connected kulam. As we started with, and he has an extra mitzvah because absolute power corrupts and you got to have your head in the Gemara, more so than anybody else. And he spent most of his waking hours, if not all of his waking hours, on the farm. It sounds like he was doing it himself or directing traffic, but standing there in the sun with his, uh, with his hat or kova tembo, whatever he was wearing. And uh, he, was, uh, he was out there. And that didn't do much for his learning. 
And because of that, the danger now is you have a king who has good yichus and has even L'shem Shemayim a good heart, and he's an Amaretz, Daraisa. And we're going to see right now from this Mejit and Chuma how bad it's going to get. Yes? Didn't stop it that that's part of why he's so living in a base of forest as a Absolutely. So. It's very hard to farm it as far as a matter of fact, probably also. Uh, get in the way of the bodies. And uh, yeah, he probably sat and learned the Sius Sharm, whatever Gemara he can learn. But he was a phenomenal artist. You'll see the extent of his Amaratzes. Let me just finish the Medrash. He was Mafkir himself to his farming and he didn't learn. To the extent, this is, this is very bad. One time he happened to find himself in a Bez Medrash. It's king. So he walked in, made a spot check. I hope he wasn't making a spot check to find out uh, who's there and who's not so they can cut funding, which uh, happens a lot also. And a great time to check yeshiva, perm time. That's the best time you can find all the bachram there. Everybody's seated in their seat, nothing going on. Uh, tell me that was an accident. Israeli authorities happen to walk in on Arab perm? Of course not. They're looking for trouble. I'm not saying it's perfect and there are always some bachram who are bumming out in the street, but by and large, um, we've all been in the mirror and the uh, best measures is packed. Just not error perm. Can we tweak that? And can, is it better to have Seder until uh, we start uh, give a clop and we start a Megillus Esther? Yeah, but that's not the way it works. Usually the Bachem are out collecting. And, but that's going on right now as we speak. You can hear these shirim decades later after the Mashiach comes and I wonder what in the world we're talking about. Uh, but, you know, visit a yeshiva there, that's the worst time you can come. And that's exactly what happened. So, I don't know why he was there. I don't want to give any nefarious intent over here. He walked in, maybe he had a yalad yabashayl or something like that. He did daven. He walked in, okay, Bachram, uh, where are you holding? What, 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 what are you up to? What are you learning? So, interestingly enough, they happened to be having a chumash bian shir, and they were up to the pasik, Hazar Hakar of Yumas. You couldn't make it up. Hazar Hakar of Yumas. So, instead of just Chazing over the Pusik, which he wasn't apparently too familiar with, he said, Azar Kar Yumas, he started asking them, what does that mean? He says, it means it's very serious to try to go and do the Avaidah uh, Kateris and any Karbanas if you're not a Kayan. And he said, yeah, it is serious. A chutzpah, anybody should try, anybody a nobody should try to go and do the Avaidah. I understand it. And his next line was, Amalam Uziah Kosh Baruch Melech. Listen to this, Gezer He says, Hashem's Melech Malachim Melachim and I'm Melech Yisrael. No, no, it happens to be true. The Melech Yisrael, and any Melech, but certainly the Melech Yisrael, is Hashem's representative of Yachal on earth. That's where the Dimian ends, but at least it begins. No, la Melech, la Shamesh, Melech. Who is better, who is more fit to be Meshamesh, the Melech, Malach, Malachim? That's the first measure we started with, that he meant this, Lashem Shemayim. Well, the to the to do, not Stamina Veda, anybody could bring a, a Tamid, a Kateris. Miyad, so he went straight, you know, the sign of a tzaddik is you learn something, you want to apply it right away. So he was so excited, he left, believe it or not, he left the base measure and went straight to the Azar. He just learned the puzzle of Azar Karavumas. So he said, yeah, that's very important. That means that really nobody has entry except for me, of course, because what is better, now that we're on the subject, what is better in terms of Kavit Shemayim than for me to bring the Kateris? Which means he held another Aviyu, being Kainim, one of the only few in Klyasrol, got it wrong because they weren't the top, they weren't kings. I'm the top. So if I'm the top, so then it makes sense. So what caused this? What was the, besides this guy? This double, very toxic, uh, double uh, whammy, if you'll call it. He was an Amaretz, Teresa, 
and he was too much into his farming and his gashmias. You put those two together, it's going to be a disaster. And that's what happened. Yaakov. So I don't know too much about farming or shepherding, but the little I know, I'll tell you the, the obvious answer that comes to mind, is that a shepherd, the sheep really mind their own business and graze a lot and eat a lot, basically all day. It's not a very exciting life. So you come there, you stand there with your stick, and you find a nice stream, and you find some good grass that's hefker, and you're not over in Gnei, which most of them were, but David Mel found it, and you get them where you want to go, you put these over there, and the harder grass over here, like what Moshe Rabbeinu did, and then for the next five hours, you can basically write to Hillam and uh, go through Shas. It's a very, very nice job if you know how to set it up. Uh, going uh, to the farm, if you're not, if you're an advisor, okay. If you're doing the work, which is why I think he was doing the work, uh, and he was he was proud to do the work. I think um, you have in front of you during the season backbreaking labor from four in the morning till uh, till four in the afternoon uh, with a little break, and it's exhausting. And if you've ever been in a kibbutz or a moshav, uh, true. I don't see. I see. I see an Yisrael taka when I drove over the green line. Uh, I saw an Arab Bedouin with his sheep on the hill. I love that. That would look quaint. And he's, uh, I was trying to picture, I was trying not to look at the fellow and picture one of the other Sikadeshim or something like that. Uh, looking at him wouldn't have been that inspiring. Uh, but the whole scene was very quaint, and he looked like he was not working too hard. At night, he might have been stealing cars and breaking into uh, the kibbutz nearby. I don't know what was going on, but uh, I can't be Chesha Bikshayim, but Shailiz is at Chesha Bikshayim. Uh, it looked like a pretty easy job. Uh, on the kibbutz, they're working very hard, even sitting on a tractor. Yes? It's hard to think that the would be doing back-breaking labor. It's also, it's not, even if he wasn't holding, I can't prove he's holding the shovel. I don't have a picture of that. But I, I have the medrash, it's uh, three different medrashim that say that he was on the farm and really too much into it. Whatever that meant, it caused a lot of bitl because that is an Amaritz. And only a Balgaiva who's an Amaritz can think Hazara Karavumas doesn't apply to him. And that's the toxic combination that happened. And let's go to the Peleites. We are on page Yud Aleph, talking about giving Musr to children and how to do it and how to not be too soft and not be too hard. And everybody always knows in our generation we try to be a little softer. The question is, how soft? So I had the uh, pleasure of discussing with uh, a father yesterday. I was so happy as Dov pushed to him came to me and his uh, son asked him for his, his 15-year-old son asked him for a smartphone. So I thought he was, that was going to be a shayla. So I said, that's what you're asking about? He said, no. Said, you know anybody normal who would do that? That was his response. That wasn't a shayla. You have to mention that to me, just the backdrop so I know what's going on. A guy from here, not a chanoi, you know. <laughs> He said, uh, I would never, he said, he never asked you for one. He said, unfortunately, he had one friend who uh, his parents weren't uh, in this world. Um, I don't know if he meant Lamed Vavniks or in the other direction. And Cheshesh, um, the other direction. And uh, he once asked me. And I said, Loy was such an olive that he never asked again. So um, I said, I'm happy to hear that. He said, yeah, you know, the strange thing, I have a couple of friends who told me that, no, you should could get it for him so you should get used to uh, used to it, and he's got to know what's going on in the world, and all the trash that you hear from uh, the apologetics that go on in terms of uh, the interesting notion of showing somebody preachers so they get used to it when they see it more, which is against everything we stand for. I'm preaching to the converted, but it was wild. So the guy I was talking to was normal, and he said that's not true, and to put a device 
like that in the hands of a 15-year-old is dangerous because it's dangerous in the hands of a 25-year-old. And a 35 and a 45-year-old. Sometimes it's necessary, but it's... So uh, his friends are telling him that you can't do that and you, you, your kid's not going to be, he's going to be left out and ostracized. It's not, so he told them, and I told him, of course, that's right. it's not if you have him hanging around with the right people. So there's got to be a way, the enlightening part of the story for Apelia, there's got to be a way still, in, even in our generation, to say no. So uh, we're not uh, using uh, corporal punishment anymore. By and large, it's probably a good idea, and not to... And, uh, and we say no less, and we have to bribe more, and we have to give, as the Chaznish says, we have to give the self-esteem with the teaspoons and the tablespoons and the tr- truckloads and all the other positive things and the Ava. With that said, there still has to be a venue to be able to say no, and that's what the Peleites are talking about. And the fact that he wrote this a while ago doesn't mean that it's not applicable today. You just have to know where to apply it. Uh, top line again. We were in the middle of yesterday on page Yudalav. Chesech shifta isayne benai v'ayavai so if you completely spare the rod, even though we put away the rod, and we're not using it in a physical sense, you have to still know that a child who's going to grow up normal needs parameters and needs to be told yes and no with a healthy balance. And if he's always told yes, he will grow up to be a very ill-adjusted, spoiled brat. And we will have an adult who, as I mentioned many times, this is not a from issue only. It happens to be a from issue. It happens to be a parenting chinuch issue. Even if you're not a yid, a smart guy will know that you can't function as an adult. You'll never hold down a job. You'll never get along with people. You'll never be able to join a baseball team. As soon as they inform you you're not batting cleanup, you'll have a major fit. Go to any little league. This is what goes all day. And then the parents will start having a fist fight. Because the parents never grew up because their parents already were a few generations already from, uh, from the 1940s. Their parents never told them how to take a no and never told them that they're not Hashem's gift to humanity even though everybody's Hashem's gift to humanity. And they have to know their place. They never told them no. So what do you mean my son's not batting cleanup? He said, he's batting fifth. It's almost as good. Well, that's not good enough. And then you blame it on the manager and then you start punching the father. And it's, um, I don't know why people, not in our circles, I don't know why people go to Little League if it's uh, always the purpose of Little League, I think was, when it was invented, to bring out positive leadership character traits and uh, getting along and achtas and all those wonderful things. Same thing as the Boy Scouts. I don't know what the Boy Scouts are up to, but Lamaisa, if we can't teach our children that they can't have everything and they're not always the best at what they do, even though they're very good, give them the self-esteem, and no, you can't always pitch or you can't always catch and you can't always back clean up and um, for the um, people who are listening to the shir who are not playing ball and the children are not, and there's Zechelechach. So, no, you can't always uh, read the Gemara and shir, and you can't always be the Gabbai, and you can't always be the Balkari. Pick your, pick your venue. It's all the same thing. And when the boss tells you to write up the report, and you tell them, I, I, I've had this, the, the cases I've dealt with with bosses and employees, and they tell them that uh, you know, typing this up is not part of my job description, even though it was. And I always, tell, so I said, what is your job description? I'm here to make major decisions. <laughs> he got the job two weeks ago. He's here to make major decisions. I said, like, you mean you want to be on the board? He said, yeah, that's where I belong. He's there two weeks. He's 24, 25 years old. He's, he's supposed to be on the board. Interesting. He doesn't know yet how to type the paper of the report to take notes in the board meeting, let alone be making decisions on the board. But he decided that, and you can't tell me what to do. It's a free country. So people like that never hold down jobs. So that's not a firm issue anymore. That's an issue of uh, being normal and well-adjusted. 
And it all starts over here. You never, you never say a word. Whatever he wants, you give in. If you really love your child, your love is neshama, make sure he's going to Olam Habo. And if you want to, if you're not in the Madrega just to uh, be in tune with Ruchnius all the time, do it for yourself. Your continuity in this world and the next world is your children and your grandchildren. So if you don't love him to do the right thing for his Ruchnius, love yourself because it's your Ruchnius. That's a pretty powerful point. Because your Ruchnius depends on his performance. Also written by Shlomo Melz, I mentioned yesterday, as a married king, he got heavy musar and pech from his mother when he didn't do the right thing. So he writes about it in Mishle, as we're reading. Which means sometimes you always have to love them and you have to show the Ava most of the time and sometimes you have to look angry even though you're not getting angry, which is hard for people to do. The younger they are, they don't understand. You have to deal with them on their level. And you have to give Musa when it's age appropriate. A fellow from the shul, I, I, you think I make all these stories up right before the shir. They all happened yesterday, but they did. Right before Mincha yesterday. Somebody came up to me, uh, one of our fine Mispalim, who's a young grandfather, as I am. We're getting younger all the time. And he came to me, he said, Where, where's the balance between uh, giving your children Musa about what their children are doing. I said, like your Anikla? <laughs> he said, yeah. So I said, well, what happened? It depends. If it's something really out of sorts, you've got to let them know this is what they did. They obviously didn't see it. So I said, what did they do? Was it age appropriate? Was it normal? So he said, yeah, they really uh, messed up the place. I said, like um, the magnetic attraction, if you want to see this, it's a feat of science. It should be in, in the National Geographic or something like that. In my house, I have this huge pool. My water cooler is in my basement. My grandchildren can be two flights up. And there's this huge magnet that pulls them down two flights through five locked doors. And I can leave my study for five minutes. I come back, there's a marble every time, six times a day. I did some draw, something like the, tri- the Bermuda Triangle, something like that. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, um, so, first time you see it, like, okay, you know. <laughs> and wonderful, Baruch Hashem. I have a few of them uh, by my house now, as you know, uh, for a few weeks. And uh, Shabbos afternoon, I came here for the shear. I came back, and I, I wasn't sure how to make it. It's a master bracer, so I'll say, I'm a goggle. There's a shadow on which body of water you can make it on. That's wonderful. You can't get too excited about those things. So I told him, I said, you know, we're, we're the same age. I get exactly what you're saying. Don't say a word. This is age appropriate. What do you give They know, they don't want them wrecking the place either. But that's what a five-year-old's going to do. So what are, you, what are you going to say? So I told him to be quiet. He said he thought so. I just wanted to double check. It looked like he was about to, uh, you know. So I said, so that's not what he's talking about over here. Do you, you have to, of course you have to tell him don't make a flood. Because if you say it a hundred times, then they go up. They'll know that you can't treasure the place. But they're not going to figure it out now. You can't get too bent out of shape about it. So again, it's the balance. To say absolutely nothing ever as adults in the office. The same guy who wants to be in the board is going to be in the office water cooler draining the water cooler at the age of 23. Maybe not. But... It's the same idea. You've got to say something going along, but you've got to say it in measure, and you've got to know what's age-appropriate. Mitzvah Shem will get back to that. My grandchildren, they hear this in 20 years. They're not going to be too happy.